0: Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite in fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week, we're discussing Hal's Moving Castle by, by Diana Wynne-Jones. I'll introduce our characters, and then Vicki will take up with our plot. So in this book, we have our main character named Sophie. She is the eldest sister in the Hatter family, and as eldest, is resigned to having an uninteresting future. She's apprentice to her stepmother, Fanny, who's very nice. Uh, in the hat shop that her family owns. Sophie, at the start of the book, is very passive and quiet and prone to allowing herself to be taken advantage of. Her sisters are Martha, who is the youngest, and Letty, who is the middle sister. We have Hal Jenkins, who goes by a variety of different names based on wherever it is that he is in the world. He is a supremely talented and powerful and vain wizard who wants people to think the worst of him, even though he isn't really the worst and who enjoys pursuing beautiful women only to ghost them when they fall in love with him. We have Michael who is Hal's apprentice. He's 15 years old. Michael was orphaned and homeless and sleeping on doorsteps as a child. And he slept on Hal's doorstep one night and Hal invited him in. And he's been with him ever since. We have Calcifer, Galsper is the fire demon that lives in the castle's fireplace. He works with Hal to create the magic that runs the castle, uh, but is unsatisfied with his job and wants to be freed. We have the Witch of the Waste, who is the villain in our story. She's a very powerful witch who has gone to the dark side, basically. We have Wizard Sullivan, who is also known as Ben Sullivan, who was the royal wizard for the King of Kingsbury. And he has been missing for a while. And the king's brother, Justin, who went searching for him, is also missing. And we have Mrs. Pentstemon, who was Hal's mentor uh, when he was learning to become a wizard. This book takes place in the Moving Castle, which is a, a moving castle. It is powered by magic and Calcifer and Hal. And it is capable of relocating, moving to different places, as Hal wishes. Uh, the book takes place as well in Market Chipping, which is where Sophie is from, in Kingsbury, which I believe Market Chipping is actually part of Kingsbury land. Um, but Kingsbury, which is where the king lives, and Port Haven, which is another part of the, this world, and Wales in the United Kingdom, which is where Howl is actually from, apparently. Vicki, do you wanna pick up our plot? Sure.
1: All right, so the book begins with a brief introduction to some of our characters. Sophie is the eldest of three sisters and is well-educated. She's had to take care of the younger two, Letty and Martha, um, because because her stepmother, Fanny, was working at a hat shop that the family owns and that Sophie is supposed to inherit. She is excellent at making and mending hats. They live in a busy but small town, and it's one of those places where news often travels quickly. The townspeople are talking about the possibility of the Witch of the Waste returning to terrorize the country. There is a rumor that she threatened the king's daughter, so he sent his royal magician, Wizard Solomon, to go to the Waste and kill the witch. However, it did not turn out well, and Solomon did not return. The king is also concerned about his brother, the prince, who has gone missing as well. Outside of Sophie's small town, a a tall black castle appears and kind of wanders around the outskirts of town, over the hills and some mountainy areas. This scares the town folk, and at first they believe it is the Witch of the Waste, but it turns out it actually belongs to the wizard, Hal. To some people, this isn't much better than the Witch of the Waste, because Hal is known for collecting young girls' souls and eating their hearts. Naturally, all the young ladies in town are told not to wander about alone. Everything is okay for a while, but then Sophie's father dies. Upon his death, it's revealed that he was in a large amount of debt. In order to be able to keep the hat shop and to take care of the girls, Fanny has to send them to be apprentices. She keeps Sophie at the hat shop due to her skill and because as the eldest, she will take over one day. She sends Letty to be an apprentice at a bakery and sends Martha to be an apprentice to a rich witch. The hat shop does amazingly well, but Sophie becomes somewhat of a recluse. She hasn't gone to visit her sisters in several months. She finally goes to the bakery on May Day to visit Letty. To her surprise, though, Letty informs her that she is actually Martha and that they switched places because Letty wanted to learn how to be a witch. Sophie is surprised and worried for his, her sisters. When she returns to the hat shop, a wealthy woman shows up. She demands to see all of Sophie's hats and is very critical of all of them. After being rude and insulting Sophie a bunch, she reveals that she is actually the witch of the waste and wanted to check Sophie out because she sees Sophie as her competition. The witch casts a spell on Sophie to make her look like an old woman and then leaves. Sophie remains very calm in the situation and basically thinks, well now my outsides match my insides. However, she knows that she cannot stay where she is because it will confuse and alarm people. So she leaves the hat shop and starts wandering. While she wanders, she comes across a scarecrow with a turnip head that has fallen over. She writes the scarecrow and keeps walking, only to come across a dog trapped by a stick. She frees the dog and keeps the stick. Um, finally, she comes across Hal's castle. Since night is falling and she is getting, cold, or is getting cold, she decides it is a good idea to go into the castle and get warm. When she gets inside, she is greeted by Michael, Hal's apprentice. He is alarmed but lets her in. Sophie sits down by the fire and is a bit surprised that the fire talks. It turns out that it is actually a fire demon named Calcifer. He tells Sophie that he can sense the spell on her and proposes a bargain. If she can get her out of his contract with Howl, then he will break her spell. When Sophie asks what the contract states, Calcifer says he can't tell her. However, since this is the best and only chance she has to break the curse, she agrees. Which means she has to find a reason to convince Howell to let her stay. It isn't that difficult to do because the castle is filthy, so she poses as a housekeeper. Hal doesn't seem to care much and it's very self-absorbed. Calcifer and Michael hate the cleaning that Sophie is doing, but Hal ignores it for the most part. Um, posing as a housekeeper also gives her the chance to snoop around a bit, so she looks for ways to break the contract as well as looking, looks for the heart of the girls that Hal has supposedly killed. She finds neither. The castle is a marvel, though. There is a door that can open up to different parts of the country so that they don't actually have to move the castle anywhere. Also, despite the castle looking very large, it's actually rather small, and the rest of it is an illusion, and this is all due to Calcifer's work. While she stays with Hal, she learns some surprising information about him. She observes that he can be very patient and kind as well as generous. However, she also learns that he does not eat the hearts of women, but he does seduce them until they fall in love and then dumps them. Uh, When he is having a particularly difficult time seducing a woman, he gets grumpy and moody, which brings everyone down. And currently he's having a difficult time seducing a new woman, Letty Hatter, Sophie's sister. She is alarmed by this and wants to warn her, but despite multiple attempts is unable to reach her. Meanwhile, Hal keeps uh, getting summoned by the king, and he is very distressed about this. He does not want the king to ask him to search out the Witch of the Waste or the Prince. So he comes up with a plan to have Sophie pose as his mother and blacken his name. Um, So first he sends her to meet with with his old teacher, Mrs. Pentstemon. Sophie is told that the Witch of the Waste also has a contract with the fire demon and that the demons slowly make a person evil, which is what happened to the Witch of the Waste and what she she is concerned is happening to Hal. She also reveals that Sophie has her own magic. She can speak certain things into happening. After this revelation, Sophie goes to meet with the king. She tells him that Hal is not a good person, that he is a slither outer and shouldn't be trusted with such an important task. However, the king sees through this ruse and makes Hal his new royal magician. At some point, Hal takes both Michael and Sophie through the door, which takes him to Wales. It turns out that Hal has a sister as well as a niece and nephew. While there, Hal meets with his nephew's teacher, Lily, who turns out to be gorgeous, and Hal basically immediately asks her out. They return to the castle, and over the next few days, he spends more and more time in Wales. Sophie believes that he is courting Lily, which he is displeased with because it means that Letty doesn't have Hal's attention any longer. The Witch of the Waste soon finds the castle, likely due to the turnip-head scarecrow that has been following them around. Hal and the Witch get into a massive battle, and at the end, no one really knows who won, so Hal decides it's time to move the castle. He ends up picking Sophie's old hat shop, and instead of selling hats, Sophie now starts selling flowers. At some point, all of Sophie's family shows up, and they have a nice big gathering catching up while Hal is out. However, Lily shows up at the door, and Sophie assumes it's because she has been spurned by Hal. but it turns out she is really looking for her fiancé, the original wizard that the king sent to look for the witch. Lily appears very uncomfortable and ends up leaving the gathering. Soon, the Witch of the Waste shows up, announces that she has Lily and that Hal must come get her. Sophie wants to save Hal the Trouble, and because she feels that she wasn't very welcoming to Lily, she should try to save her. So she goes off in search of the Witch and Lily. What happens? Does Lily get saved? Does Sophie beat the Witch? You'll have to listen or read the book to find out. Marissa, how did you feel about this book?
0: I really enjoyed this book. I this is my second read. I read it earlier this year, and we had talked about doing something like this. Um, and so that's us doing it now. But I really enjoyed this. I've seen I, I saw the movie first, and I didn't realize that it was based upon a book. Um, and so I had my perceptions of what the book was going to be like based on the movie and the book was so different in a, su- in a surprising way. And in a good way, um, it was I don't just delightful. I really enjoyed reading it. Um, so I, I really liked it. What did you think? This was your first time reading it. What did you think of it? I, okay
1: so I saw I'm a big fan of the movie so I've seen the movie a bunch and I know you warned me it's like it's not like the movie or anything and I really enjoyed this but I was also a little sad that it wasn't like as <laughs> like the movie yeah I love the movie so much and I missed that version of howl you know yeah um because the howl in the movie is kind of it, well it's definitely sweeter I think <laughs> than yeah. the howl in this book so it was a little bit sad Right. that it wasn't that how, but I also really enjoyed it because it was the different perspective on things it's, it's always fun to see the difference between books and movies as well so it was a mixture it was a mixture of enjoying the book it
0: had a lot more humor in it I think than the movie did yes uh, which I enjoyed uh, a lot I, I feel like the characters in the book are a lot more playful than the, yes. in the movie. in the movie, you definitely get the, the romance vibes, right? It's a love story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the romance vibes are not as prominent in the book, which I'm okay with. It's, I mean, it would be, uh, it, they're just so, they're so different. It's, it's hard for me to say, well, I like the movie better than I like the book because I, they're so different to me. I like them both separately and probably not one more than the other i really enjoyed both of them but it's like it's like looking at two completely different things when you compare them some of the parts are the same but they're just so different i find sophie's fear of going out super relatable
1: (laughs) she like has to work up the courage to leave her house mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like I get that I feel yeah. it in my soul <laughs> yes like going out into large crowds and then I love how she stumbles across Howl, and he invites her he's like oh let me take a walk like let me walk you there and she's like no that's okay and he's like come on let me take you for a walk yeah like, no it's like why are you so scared it's like I don't know <laughs> why do you think she's scared yeah you keep pushing
0: her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. mm-hmm. yeah. I, um, I liked how like the first eight the first words in the, in the first chapter, like Sophie just being resigned to her fate as for like first daughters doomed to her failure. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a heavy perspective. <laughs> The first one's destined for failure. The second one is going to do a little bit better. But the third one, fortune and glory. What a negative way to start, like, to live your life, right?
1: Right. I know because she talks about, like, I'm going off to make my fortune. And then she says later on, it's like, I was silly as the eldest to think I could go off and make my fortune. Yeah. Like, okay. That's interesting. I'm not the eldest, though. I'm the youngest. So, oh. you
0: know. Well, have you attained your fortune and maybe, maybe it only works if there are three children. Maybe. I don't know what happens if there are just two.
1: Yeah. Huh. interesting. But Sophie does so well with the hat shop that she, if, you know, her mother-in-law would pay her a wage or a portion of
0: what she brought in. Yeah. She
1: would be, she would have a fortune.
0: Got some unfair working conditions here. Sophie's being taken advantage of. Yeah.
1: I really liked that part of the book with Sophie having like her own magic.
0: hmm I
1: don't remember that in the
0: movie. She doesn't it's have not, magic. Right? It's yeah. not. Okay. No, I really like that
1: aspect.
0: I too. Was... Yeah. Uh yeah. sorry, keep going. I feel like I keep talking over you.
1: No, it's okay. But I really enjoyed that aspect of this book. You know, she talks to like the hats as she's you know making them and she's like oh you would look so good on a lovely young woman to like court her lover or something like that and then when she sells that hat to a lovely young woman next thing you know she's engaged sort mm-hmm. of thing and she does the same thing with um how well with Turniphead, right? mm-hmm. the turnip head right the scarecrow she kind of talks it into life and then when she's mending some of Hal's clothes you know She's muttering to herself about like, oh, such a fine um, suit to like catch women with or something. And then somebody says, oh, there's like this really intricate, like uh, charming spell on that suit. And Sophie's like, uh, (laughs) Oops. And then she goes about <laughs> trying to destroy this.
0: That part was so funny. He hands her her suit to, cl- he hands her his suit to clean it and she cuts it into seven pieces.
1: <laughs> it's great.
0: I like that too. I like that manifestation of her powers that she can imbue hats. Anything that she touches, she can imbue it with her words, her cane. Mm-hmm. She imbues her cane with magic Um, just by her flowers too, when they, at the, uh, near the end of the book, when Hal purchases the hat shop and they turn it into the flower shop, she is able to use her words to make her flowers grow and to survive longer and to, uh, grow into unique things. She, with her words grows a Navy blue Mm rose. And when she's angry with her words, she (laughs) creates a weed killer. So I, I really like this manifestation of power for her. I, again, you, And we don't get that in the movie. And I think I like the, the representation of the magic better in this book. I feel like there's more magic in the book than, that, than what we see in the movie.
1: Yes. But I would have loved to see more still. I would have loved to see Hal do more magic. because Or like do more spells or something. Because we see Michael doing them. Yeah. You know. And how supposed to be this great, amazing magi- magician. But we don't see a ton of that, I feel like, really. Um, but we do get a lot more magic from Sophie. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed.
0: I wish that some of these things that happened in the book were things that we could have seen in the movie. Yes. Like the the seven-league boots, the seven-league shoes. Yeah, those were so cute. I loved that scene. So there are these shoes that when you walk in them, they like you take a step and it takes you seven leagues away. It's very fast transportation. Um, And Sophie in one scene is trying to basically spy on Hal because he's gone to see her sister, Letty. And so she and Michael each don a boot and. They take a step and loses her balance. And so she takes another step by accident. And then she just zips, zips, zips across the country. And then she tries to go back. She overshoots it and she can't stop. And then she goes back to Michael. And it's really, it's very funny to read. There were scenes in this book that had me laughing out loud. And that was one of them because it's so, I mean, it's so funny. And the way it's described is outstanding because I can see it happening in my mind. And I feel like that would have been something that was, would be great animated.
1: Yeah, that would have been really fun to see, but then you know it would have had. Well, they could have found a way to do it without having Hal be, you know, a jerk and breaking women's hearts all the time. So as I
0: was sorry, so he was still flirty in the movie.
1: He was.
0: It's just not as intense as it is in the book. Right.
1: Well, in the book, it's. Um, you know, he has to break women's hearts. It's he's like a cad.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Guess, so because this is not an after dark episode, we're not going to say curse words, but we can spell them. Right. Sure. Does that break the rules. I don't know. We'll find out. I guess we'll <laughs> find out. So how is 100% an F U C K boy. All right. He he carries a guitar with him and he can't even play it <laughs> it's just he's one of those guys yeah he's only interested in, in women until they fall in love with him and then he ghosts them. like how's a chad he's like a <laughs> <laughs> he's such a jerk <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's not really the how we see in the movie so that representation of him gets I mean, he's so lovable in the movie, right? Yeah. This representation of him in the book, it is a little hard to swallow. You want him to be the sweet, how?
1: Mm-hmm. I do like that they at least kept the, um, he has that meltdown, you know, yeah. with the slime.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Like
0: that. Yeah, that was good too. He's He's still super vain in this book. He goes mm-hmm. into the bathroom for two hours at a time. What is there to do in the bathroom for two hours?
1: Also, the place is small. It's the only bathroom they have. How inconsiderate is that? There are three people. Super rude.
0: Yeah. So rude. Super rude. Why is it so big too? If it's really small, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a little ridiculous. He's very, very picky about his appearance. Still very vain spends a ridiculous amount of time in the bathroom it's a magic house why wouldn't you just add another bathroom Mm
1: -hmm.
0: two bathrooms all of the bathrooms yeah like all like half the place should be bathrooms (laughs) at least at least four bathrooms yeah why not so he maintains his vain nature but it's like vain times a hundred it's way worse in this book um oh so in that scene the one that he gets upset about he is so funny in it though because he like his hair is messed up and he runs out and he's so upset and he says i'm a ginger <laughs> <laughs> yeah this how you know howl's pretty dramatic in the in the movie i feel like but in the book it's it's uh it's taken to the next level, this drama that he has. So after that scene where his hair gets dyed because Sophie has messed with his, his powders and his, um, his spells in the bathroom, he rushes out. And he's just like, he shouts despair, anguish, horror. He says, look, survey, inspect. My hair is ruined. I look like a pan of bacon and eggs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The drama. So
0: much angst. (laughs) I'm going to start making statements like this when I'm upset. Despair. (laughs) Horror and just walk out. (laughs) <laughs> I
1: get to see you walking into the room <laughs> and screaming, horror! <laughs> and then walking out and we are just like, yes. okay, just, Marissa.
0: <laughs> just done. Yes. Yeah. And another point in the book, he catches a cold. Oh, yes. It's so exactly. funny. He says, I feel ill. I'm going to bed where I may die. You can bury <laughs> me next to Mrs. Pent Stimmen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh you know, they say that men who have illnesses are supposed to be way uh more what dramatic about mm-hmm. their symptoms. Yeah.
1: The man flu that people that was just a cold that people yes. can, <laughs> men
0: get. And and how certainly certainly is a representation of that. So <laughs>
1: he,
0: yeah. And Michael,
1: for his credit, is like, he's really nice. He goes running back and forth, you know, for him between getting him stuff. And then Michael has to go out. And I love the dog that shows up and is like a dog man, right? Yeah. He turns into a man. And so if he's trying to talk to him and like deal with the dog, you just hear Hal getting like more and more like sneezing more aggressively, blowing his nose more aggressively uh-huh. because the entire house shakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because nobody's paying attention to him. <laughs> come on go to sleep somebody give
0: him like some give him some Sudafed like knock him out (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's he he's so so dramatic I just it's really funny we and that's why for me it's hard to compare this the like the book to the movie because I love romantic how in the movie I appreciate and enjoy that character. But this version of this character is hysterical to me. And that's so different from, I mean, you can really tell the tone of these two things is very different. Mm-hmm. The tone in the movie is a lot more serious and a lot more focused on the romantic element. And this one is just very, I mean, it's just very entertaining. Um,
1: and we see Sophie's a little, other than her magic, she's a little different too. She's a lot
0: uh, feistier. Yeah. Than this. Sophie's a savage in this book. Mm-hmm. Like her snarky comments are off the charts here. Um, and Hal is really snarky too, which is also different from Hal in the movie as well. But in the book, uh, Sophie says to someone, if you're fool enough, oh, I think, yeah, no. She says to someone, if you're fool enough to wear that bonnet with a face like that, you wouldn't have the wit to spot the king himself if he came be- begging, if he hadn't turned to stone first, just at the sight of you. Wow. Dang, Sophie. You coming in hot there. <laughs> she does have some
1: of that in the movie in terms of when it comes to like calcifer and stuff, you know, because they say, oh, only Hal can like cook over calcifer or, you know, whatever and she just kind of bullies the fire demon (laughs) into doing things so there is a little bit of that she's more aggressive as an old woman she
0: is she is in either in either story when she's young why do you think that is because she seems more confident as an older person yeah to me she gives that vibe she's more confident is it, is it just that? Is it? And so I kind of get this vibe from her sometimes in the book. It's like, you know how, when sometimes when people get older, their filter just disappears, right? Mm-hmm. They do not care about the words that come out of their mouth, even if they're kind of harsh, sometimes they're not appropriate. And then Stephanie, not Stephanie, Sophie says a couple of things in this book. Dang, what happened to your filter, Sophie? It's gone. No longer is it Miss Meek, Sophie. It's, confident senior Sophie
1: yeah I think people are she knows that too that people are more likely to put up with that stuff coming from an older woman because it's like oh she's just an old woman or something she's just an old lady she's set in her ways sort of thing yeah so it's easier to be like that I guess rather than when she was like a young woman and still like needing people to I don't know, look at her a certain way, I
0: suppose. How has some snarky comments for her too. So there's a lot, their, ban- their banter, I feel like is good. Their-, their conversations where she's snarky and he's snarky back are really spectacular and very entertaining to me. So he says to her, yes, you are nosy. You're a dreadfully nosy, horribly bossy, appallingly clean old woman. Control yourself. You're victimizing us all. <laughs> And then the turnip head scarecrow chases the castle down and it terrifies Sophie. And at first how kind of diminishes her concerns. And he says, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but then he actually sees it and it scares him too. And he says, whatever was that? All that was left of the last person you cleaned for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's just, yeah. She's snarky, but he's snarky right back to her. And I like that too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's, a, uh, there's a scene. It's as soon as Sophie arrives to the castle, basically. So the next day after she's arrived, she gets a bucket and a, a broom and mop and just immediately starts cleaning. And the image in that scene is just spectacular to me. Because you can see it happening so vividly from how it's described. Michael and Calcifer are frantic and panicking over Sophie's cleaning efforts. And it reminded me of when I was a kid, I have a bunch of brothers. And my mom would just get really put out with the state of their rooms. And so she'd get up on a Saturday with her uh, with her like tennis shoes and short shorts and her... Um, trash bags and cleaning supplies and she'd walk to their rooms and just start throwing stuff away <laughs> and it's the scene of chaos it's like no no don't throw that away no no don't throw it out. don't throw it out. i need that i need that um and so when this scene was happening i could envision it in my mind in my house so per- just frantically trying to save and steal away everything that you can to save it from being <laughs> thrown in the trash
1: Oh, so when you're reading this, how did you picture the characters and the scenery and everything? Did you picture it animated or did you picture it like, and you come up with whole new images in your head?
0: I couldn't come up with completely new images in my head because mm-hmm. I've seen House Moving Castle so many times. I feel like I can't, I can't unsee. I, I mean, I've seen the movie probably a hundred times at this point, so I can't unform that pattern that image in my mind except I had to change it and so that it was hard because Michael in the book is 15 years old and in the movie he's like a child right so I I was able to change the pattern it was somewhat but there were some things that it was just especially like the grandma Sophie Sophie as an older person I couldn't see it as anything but Sophie in the the movie what about you? Yeah, I can,
1: at first when I went into it, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to like have a whole new image. And then like immediately, I think it's like once once the Witch of the Waste came in, right? And I just like, that's where I can just completely fail that trying to picture it as like real people. And was like, nah, it's just animated yeah. in my brain. It's just animated in my brain,
0: which yeah. is fine. I did change the pattern a little bit for the Witch of the Waste
1: oh really
0: Uh, I've envisioned her a little bit more like Amarantha from A Court of Thorns and Roses because at one time at one point Mm. she's described as being like young having vibrant bright long curly hair red hair I think and so she kind of took on how I pictured Amarantha from A Court of Thorns and Roses in that moment and I could see that I didn't see the animated version of her at that time after after that description all right no,
1: I, I kept it in my head, <laughs> that, which I guess probably made it harder for me to kind of make the distinction between these characters in the book and the movie. Uh-huh. You know, I think that probably made it a little bit harder, but I don't know if you are, there's like an interview with the author in the back. Yeah. And they asked her about like, oh, what she thought of the animated movie. And she said that she never pictured the castle with legs. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it's not described in the book. That makes sense. Right. But again, when I read it, the book, it was just, oh, it's just, it's Hal's Moving Castle yeah. from the movie with the lights. That's
0: what it is. Yeah. It was hard for me to picture the castle differently, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a picture of, I mean, a castle on the front, on the cover, mm-hmm. like how she would envision it, I guess, or how the author pictured it is on the cover. And even having that visual. Picture, it's hard for me to see it as anything but the castle in the movie. Yeah. Which looks kind of like an angler fish to me. You know, the deep sea fish. Yeah. Okay. Got that big protruding jaw. Yeah, I can see it. I see it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I had a hard time with the sisters as well because Martha doesn't exist in the movie. It's just Letty. Right. Letty's her only sister. And so like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to write a pattern for this sister. Need to form an image. So that was hard because all I could see was Letty from the movie as Letty, her sister. Right.
1: I liked the cute um, tie-in with Michael um, actually dating Martha But calling her Letty and then getting worried when Hal is like wooing the other Letty. Yeah. (sighs) The confusion that happens.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What a relief though, because Martha's like 15 years old too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like 14 or 15. It's like, oh okay. (laughs) How old's Letty? I don't know, but she's not 15.
1: Well, yeah, she's a
0: Oh no, she probably how old, let's see. Uh Letty is a year younger than Sophie. We don't know how old Sophie is, though. So.
1: Well, let's hope she's at least 19. Yeah. Kyle's trying to seduce her sister. Yeah. And I love that her sister doesn't fall for it.
0: Yeah, no. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Let's see.
0: How would be about 27 years old. How? Yeah. But I thought he was like 10,000 days. Oh, it was 10,000 days. 10,000 days is around about 27 years. Okay. We find out at the end of the book that How went and spoke with Letty to find out, to talk about Sophie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ask about her sister and find out more information about her because she's like a 90 year old woman now. Um, So. Yeah.
1: I want to know what that conversation was.
0: Yeah. You know, I want to know what they talked about, like what he was asking about her. Mm -hmm. Sophie pretty quickly spots uh some of Powell's flaws she it's interesting to me that she through the entire book treats him like this really villainous character like a bad guy and he does have faults certainly but she goes into it thinking that he literally eats people because it's mm-hmm. the rumors that he spread and it's almost like he's done too good of a job with purposely blackening his name because Sophie up until the very end thinks he's this heartless, awful cad and it's right before the end of the book. And she's like, Oh, he's kind of (laughs) nice. Right. Yeah. But something that she notices about him is that he's a slither outer. And I love this term because it fits him perfectly. He slithers out of any situation that might make him uncomfortable or, uh, Nail him down, basically. That might make him commit to something. I I just really liked that term. I think it's a inc- it's a really accurate description for the way that Hal behaves in this book. And it makes me wonder about his behavior too, because Michael says in the book as well, you will never pin him down. That's part of asking him questions. He doesn't want to answer questions. He uh, avoids and he doesn't want to be committed to anything. He avoids. That's part of why he has Sophie go to the king to blacken his name. He wants to avoid having any sort of commitment to him. So is it just that he's afraid of commitment? Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm, let's see. Is it just because he's afraid of commitment? Maybe he's kind of afraid of like hard work too. Yeah you think especially when it comes to like well because he said the prince and I think the other wizard were his friend
0: yeah you know I guess that kind of thing I don't um, know I don't part of me feels like it might be performance anxiety yeah I can see that like he's afraid of committing to things because he doesn't want to fail or he has anxiety about not being able to do something pull through, overcome. Cause we find out that he, I mean, he put in all, he has, he apparently wrote a doctoral thesis on something. So he got a PhD at some point. That's a lot of work. And he trained under the wizard Solomon, not no under Mrs. Pint Stimmen, who's a taskmaster master. master. And she claims that he was like one of the best students that she's had, and had the most potential. And he, We find out as things go along that he, like you said, he tried. He tried to find the wizard's element and he tried to find Prince Justin. So he's putting the effort in. He just doesn't want to be tied down to it. Mm. Yeah. And so I wonder if it's because he just wants his freedom. He wants to choose when he does things or if it's more that he's scared uh there were there was this one scene that was it was hysterical to me the first time that I read it and I got to it again in this book and was just laughing out loud reading it so Sophie takes one of Howell's outfits I forget why he gives it to her and she cuts it to pieces cuts it into a bunch of triangles and starts re-sewing it together. And as she sews it together, it gets too small. And yes. so she has Michael put an enlarging spell on it to grow it to Hal's size. Well, it keeps growing and growing and growing. And she gives it to him to wear to Mrs. Pentstemon's funeral. And he walks out and <laughs> the description of the suit is hysterical to me. Uh because it is so large. <laughs> she describes miles and miles of fabric mm-hmm. and um the like it's described so well. I could just see everything that happened that's happening in this scene in my mind. Um, it says he set off with dignity to the bathroom, waiting in blue, waiting in the blue and silver suit. Um, The rest of the blue and silver suit followed him, dragging step by step down the stairs, rustling across the floor. By the time Hal was in the bathroom, most of the jacket was on the ground and the trousers were appearing on the stairs. And Hal half shut the bathroom door and seemed to go on, hauling the suit hand over hand. And (laughs) there may have been nearly a mile of it. (laughs) Like, it was so funny to me. I would like to see that in the movie too. I think it would have been hysterical. It reminds me of something that would have happened on the Carol Burnett show. Just this ridiculously long outfit. Uh, I think the imagery that's crafted in this book is really great. It's very vivid. I had a very easy time picturing all of the things that were happening that she was describing. And so I appreciated that. What did you think of the Witch of the Waste? Oh, wait. What did you think of Mrs. Pentstemon in this book? Because so in the movie, the wizard Solomon is Hal's mentor, right? And in the book, his mentor is Mrs. Pentstemon. And the wizard Solomon is a completely different wizard. Right.
1: I thought that was first of an interesting switch from the movie. Right, or like the movie made the interesting switch. I kind of wonder what that was about, why they moved away from that. But um, I liked her character. I um, I liked her conversation that she had with Sophie about how it was kind of like this open conversation that she had with them about these concerns. Um,
0: I would've, it would've been, I don't know. What did you think? What were your views? um i liked it it felt more caring to me um the conversation that she was having with Powell's mom compared in the movie it's mrs so in the movie wizard settlement is very aggressive right she strips the the witch of the waste goes to the castle with sophie in the movie and she strips the witch of her powers Mm -hmm. she turns into this decrepit older woman and in this book the mentor, Mrs. Pentstemon, just has an open conversation about her concerns with Hal, and it doesn't feel real aggressive. And I, I like that. I guess it felt like more concern, basically. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got that vibe too. Like this open conversation that she had with, you know, yeah. And the witch of the waste is a, like the real bad guy. And that's different from the movie as well. Um, the, in the, in the movie, the, the bad guy is like the war. Basically there's a war happening of, because of a misunderstanding. And in the, the book, we have a very definite bad a villain. It's the witch of the waste who is a murderess and trying to build her own ideal body using parts of that was so intense yeah using (laughs) parts of the wizard Solomon and prince justin and she wants howl's head to top off her strange frankenstein partner who she's gonna make the king and she's gonna be the queen wow it's way darker than the movie Mm -hmm. yep
1: she's making this frankenstein thing i got to that point and was like oh okay things got dark
0: real fast yes
1: <laughs> for real
0: it's just pirates of uh those other characters scattered across you know scattered across which is um yeah kind of kind of dark compared mm-hmm. to what's happening in the movie so that's she's pretty aggressive and then We find out that Miss, I think it's Angorian is her name, Lily, um, is actually the falling star that has consumed the Witch of the Waste's heart. And is just trying to survive. So um, I thought that was an interesting element, too. We kind of see. So in the book, uh, Calcifer wants to be freed. He has a contract with how they support each other and how gave him his heart so that calcifer wouldn't die and in exchange calcifer helps him with his magic so they have this this contract this deal and we know that that's not an ideal situation calcifer says like it's not doing any one either one of us any favors at this point but we don't really see why i feel like we don't really get that explanation in the movie um but we do get it we get more of that in the book. We see what happens when you lose your heart, basically, and it's that uh, you go psychotic, basically. <laughs> you turn into this evil witch. She's trying to build her own sort of puppet king, and um, you're the the demon, the fire demon that you gave your heart to, uh, and tries to kill people so that she can take another heart. There's a scene. Near the end of the book, where Sophie is super restless and frustrated and angry with her circumstances and with everyone around her, and she throws the weed killer and she starts yelling and she stops talking to Hal and she's just mad. Yes. Why is she so frustrated?
1: I think she's frustrated, like, because she's, I mean, just because of her circumstances, right? Like, she hasn't been able to, well, I don't know, she hasn't tried too terribly hard to break the contract, I feel like. Yeah. With Hounds. But she's also, I think, there's a point where, I think it's closer to the beginning, where she's, oh, she's like, oh, you know, like, she's really calm about being turned into an old lady, she's whatever, and then all of a sudden she gets, like, really angry about yeah. it. And I wonder if it's kind of a continuation of that, like, things just building on top of it, and now she's, like, I'm going to go stop around, just kill everything because nothing's like, you know, at the same time, I think Hal is, she thinks Hal is courting Lily, right? Mm-hmm. Is this all the same? So I think it's just like a combination of everything piling on top because she's like, oh, Hal's courting Lily and now Letty is by herself sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Why do you think?
0: Um, I mean, I think she's I think she's frustrated by her circumstances. Maybe she, and I couldn't tell if it in part was, uh, you know, being frustrated on Letty's behalf or if maybe some of it was j- uh, just feelings of jealousy because she still thinks that Hal is courting Miss and Gorian. Um, and if she was jealous for herself, because she had feelings for Hal. Um, and I think that uh, this is where we start to see maybe some of that change because she, we find out that the curse that she has on herself, how has he's known about it? And he's tried several times to get it lifted. And he makes a comment, you know, about how she's doing it to herself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I wonder if part of her frustration is just. Um, maybe frustration with herself. And that situation, too, for the circumstances that she did, um, or maybe feeling like, I don't know. Trapped, or like she has to accept the things like these preconceived ideas that she's had for herself as the eldest child right right so not ever really having anything glamorous or glorious was she frustrated with and frustrated at other like projecting it onto other people because she's frustrated with herself for feeling like she has to fall in line with these ideas that she has just based on her her line up in in birth order. Yeah. Well how says at one point
1: to her, so because she lets Lily in mm-hmm. right to this um house. And he says like you're two nights I thought like your jealousy would yeah. stop you from inviting her. And so he sees something there. I think maybe that she doesn't even really because I don't think she necessarily recognizes those feelings. Yeah what they are she's kind of like oh i'm having these feelings but i'm not going to address them or try to search for deeper meaning i'm just going to be angry yeah sort
0: of thing yeah i don't know there are two more books in this series and i haven't read them i'd be curious to see if we if sophie is also in them i would hope so because this is supposed to be a love story Um, but i'm curious to see what their relationship development is or would be like because I know that so the book relies heavily on romantic themes and this ends up being a romantic story at the end, but we don't see a lot of like emotional or romantic development between how and Sophie and we, we do see, well, I, maybe it's just a little bit more obvious in the book because now that I'm saying that, like he, he, he relocates the house for her. Mm-hmm. that's not something you do for someone you don't care about right it's a big magical thing mm-hmm. he says like where do you want to live and she's like a big nice mansion out in the country and he's like got it all right <laughs> uh we got to do this house and market shipping what do you want to sell she says flowers got it okay so we're gonna buy this house which used to be yours mm-hmm. we're gonna sell flowers out of it and I'm going to create three doors for you so that you can do this thing because these are the things that you said you wanted to do. That's awfully considerate. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like, I guess because the romantic vibes in the movie are, I mean, that's what like the theme. It's a It's a romantic story. Maybe it seems more prominent to me. But now that I am speaking about the book and thinking about it, there's, there's some groundwork there for, I mean, him just conveying some interest in her caring about her. I think she just thinks that he doesn't, he, I don't know if she thinks like she's not worthy of his affection or just is oblivious to the idea that he might care about her. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about or thoughts that you had about the book? Did you like it? I did.
1: I did like it. I was a little, well, actually I wasn't that concerned going into it because I mean, nine times out of 10, I think the books that you recommend I enjoy for the most part, you know? Um, So I wasn't too concerned about whether or not I was going to like it um, or enjoy it. So I did enjoy it. Um, But yeah, I just kind of missed Sweet Hal, but I really liked this version of Hal too, in terms of snark. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a good book, I think. It's, yeah. Yeah. What about you?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, this is my second read. I enjoyed it both times. There were I, I, I really enjoyed the writing. I mean, it was really funny. I appreciated the characters in the book in a different way than I did in the movie. I still really like both, but it's hard for me to say, well, I like this one more than I like this one, because to me, they're so different. I appreciate them separately. It's almost like two completely separate things. It does make me wonder. So like you said, in the book, it references how in the movie, it's like the movie is loosely based off of this book, right? Um, Right. It makes me, and they didn't collaborate together the author of this book, and Hayao Miyazaki. Right. So it makes me wonder why. Like why didn't they collaborate together? Because I feel like there are a lot of things that happened in this book that if they had been included in the movie would have been outstanding. It's the scene with the suit and the, the magical stuff, a lot of the magical stuff. I do like at the end... Um, when like Sophie's entire family who she hasn't seen since the beginning of the book all ends up in her house, Yeah, Fanny, her stepmother comes and it's like, Oh, what happened to you? I missed you. Why didn't you tell me where you were? And then both of her sisters turn up and they're like, Sophie, what the heck? (laughs) And then, I mean, it's just like this big family reunion. And then there are so many people in the house. Um, it's a, it's a chaotic scene. And I, I like that too. I also like that Sophie becomes empowered at the very end too. So she makes that shift where she realizes like, I don't have to just be the oldest sister. I can be spectacular and be the oldest sister. I don't have to accept a life lesser than because of when I was born. Um, then she ends up saving Hal and Calcifer and the castle and everybody from Mrs. Angorian. So I like that for her. She has that character growth. And development. Yeah. And how is still kind of vain, but not as bad as he was when I first started. Yeah. Anyway, we have a couple of favorite quotes. Yes. So
1: mine is, I am a coward. The only way I can do something this frightening is to tell myself I'm not doing it. And that's said by Howl. and that actually goes along perfectly with what we were talking about earlier um about him kind of having like performance anxiety yeah um you know and saying he's a coward Mm -hmm. yeah but I like that because it's also kind of true a lot we have talked about this once before too about faking it till you make it Mm -hmm. you know like I'm just gonna pretend that you know I am this thing that I'm great and it works yeah yeah I like thought it was cute
0: yeah um my favorite quote is at the, the end of the book. It's after Sophie has saved the day and given Hal his heart back. Um, they're, they're, you know, looking at each other. And he says to her, I think we ought to live happily ever after. It should be hair racing. And she says, and you'll exploit me. And he says, and then you'll cut up on my suits to teach me. I like it. Um, we don't have a whole lot of romantic build. Uh, up to this point, and I I love a happily ever after. So we kind of get this moment where it's like, I think we should do this. And Sophie's like, Okay, let's do it. It's cute. Oh, something we didn't talk about. Ha- Hal is Welsh. Oh yeah, he's not I'm even right. from this world. He's That's from the United it. Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: You know, I put that in the just, uh the summary because I yeah, I like that. He's from an alternate like yeah
0: universe sort of i guess they kind of go along um (gasps) the wizard sullivan is also Mm -hmm. welsh or Mm -hmm. something near welsh that wraps up house moving castle um we thank you for listening i don't know what we're talking about next week it'll be something so we hope you join us Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.